This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Uh, so the season's very much coming to a close, but don't worry, we've still got quite a little bit to discuss before we uh, both, well, before we blow the kind of full-time whistle, if you like, on this rather disappointing season. Um, but we, as always, are joined by my regular co-host, uh, right-hand man, the ever-reliable Mr. Daniel Buxton. Uh, Dan, how's your week been? Uh, not too bad, mate, not too bad. Um, to get over the... the uh game that we're about to get into from last Saturday. That that's, took a little while to get over that. <laughs> I didn't need any sleep that night anyway. Or oh, no out getting to sleep. <laughs> that's um, kind of been the story of any prior game for the last two months, I think, though, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately so. Um but yeah, I've had I don't know if I mentioned it before, I've had a new car. Right. So I've got a little story mm. for you today. So I bought a new car a few weeks ago. Um and I got it, and obviously it's got a warranty with the guys that we got it from. And I got it home after a few days, noticed there was an, an, an oil leak, quite a bad one. Okay, so I had to take it back down. Now, I've had this car from a um, place um, down in Hales Owen. Yeah. So it's in Hales Owen, and the garage that they use to do their cars is in Dudley. So I'm down, so I've taken it back to take it back down to Hales Owen. So I'm up and down the M6, taking this car back, and they said that they, they basically when they put it back together, that the the cap hadn't gone on right with the oil, and that's why it had leaked. It cracked the cap, it all come out. So it was quite a bad oil leak. Got it back, thinking right, okay, all sorted, done. Again, last few days, noticed it's again just just leaking just a little bit now. So I think okay, it's a bit of an issue. Um, so I rung in today. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Just take it straight to the garage. Um, so I've not been in the garage for. Obviously, went to. The took it back to this garage in Dudley. And um, so I pulls in and, and I said to him, how long is it going to be for two? Are we talking like 10, 20 minutes or are we talking two hours? And she was like, I don't know. It depends what they find, really. I was like, all right, well, kill a bit of time. So is there anywhere I can just go and sit? You know, just think somewhere, like coffee shops, you know, a cafe, anything like that. Because uh, on the outskirts of town, there's nothing around. So she says, oh, just got the hill there. It's about a van, sort of a van park up the road. She says, oh, if you go up there, carry on up that road, there's a shop up there. You can get something to, 
to drink or whatever. And that's about a 10 minute walk, so I'll kill a bit of time. So I've got the two options as I'm walking up. Do I walk on the pavement and walk around or do I walk across the grass? Right. So I walk in. So I carried on walking over the grass. I thought I'd just cut, cut the big path out, walking all the way around, I'll walk over the grass. And unbeknownst to me, at the top of this big hill, this, this big hill grass, uh, a water leak has appeared. And the water is coming streaming uh, down through the grass underneath. I can feel so where this I, is going. Yeah. <laughs> so I am just like, la di da di da. I got my ear for ear, got my sort of eye, eye um, bud things in, whatever, ear bud things. Sort of trundling, trundling along uh, in my shorts and my hoodie and went arse over tit as I stood on where <laughs> all this water was going and covered myself <laughs> in mud because obviously this water had streamed through all this this um, soil and grass and everything and Brilliant. just like covered up and literally and then I, I stood up and looked up and the guy was there from the waterboard to obviously sort the issue out <laughs> and he was like are you okay <laughs> and I was like yeah I'm fine thanks he's like and then he was just like you know Wait a minute. And he walked around the side of his van and got me like a little big, massive blue roll. And <laughs> he was like, right. clean yourself up with that, mate. So You know, as soon as you've left that scene, he is absolutely increasing. He's <laughs> laughing at you. You do know that, don't you? I do. And the best time it was, so I stood down and I thought, oh, geez, thanks. I was like, wiped all down. But obviously, wiping with dry roll, all I'm doing is then, once you've got the thick sludge off, <laughs> your leg and your trainers are ruined and and, um, and obviously like your arm, whatever, it's like you then, it's just smearing sort of the residue what's left behind, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then I'm like, with this leg just like covered in dirt and I was like, okay, this, what do I do? So I, I walked up to you, I got a massive bottle of water and then there's like an underpass from by it. So I went down there and just took its shoe off and just sort of washed my leg down to get rid of it all because I thought I don't want to get back in the car really with all this dirt. Um, but yes, that that was the uh, the fun the fun part. But yeah, I also think I was quite lucky that I did have my uh, earbuds in, to be honest, because as I walked off, and I could feel them sort of disconnecting or whatever. And then I realised that as I'd run, I'd fell, my phone had fallen to the dirt and was still there. So well done, like, mate. Yeah. So it was a good, it was good. I enjoyed that little trip. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. Um, what more happened in, in that five seconds when I fell than did in 90 minutes <laughs> watching Stoke last wow. week? Certainly would have been funnier. And uh, as I said, we would have, just been happier uh, with that than Buddy QPR and sounds like they had a great drama mate to be honest and um, speaking of dramas <laughs> uh, yeah QPR um, now for anyone who can bear it now if you can't bear it you can always skip forward 10 minutes or so um, and you can pretend that that result never happened so if you don't want to listen to this then keep pressing forward until you get there but um, either way we will kind of give a bit of an overview of QPR. We won't go into absolute war and peace on it because I don't think any of us can bear it. And also, let's be honest, there wasn't that much to talk about either. Um, I guess, well, no, it's pretty shambles again. But, um, I mean, what whatever happened to Fortress Britannia or Fortress Bet365 or what the hell you want to call it? Because our home form, is this probably as bad as it's, as it's ever been since we moved to this stadium? I mean, I'm sure it's probably might have been worse, but it I don't remember such a bad run like this for many, many years. 
Uh, right, so as, as that happens, I do have that information. <laughs> Two seconds. Oh. Let me have <laughs> so I, I go back to oh, how long do I go back on these sheets? I go back as far as 2000, 2001. Um, and yeah, you can see that poof, they have 12 wins, 16 wins, 9, 11, 11, 7, 12, 12, 10, 7. And this year, six. The only year we've had less than six wins was the year we got relegated from the Premier League. Um, 12 defeats is a record in that time. The most four we had was 11 in the year that Johan Boskamp was in charge. Uh, so, yeah, it's, okay. all pretty, it's all pretty bad to us. 22, which is a point a game. Um, we've not never been as bad as 20, never been as low as one point a game average over the course of a season. Um, 11 times we failed to score. So 11 times we failed to score at home. The previous record is 10. Yeah. Uh, would you like Bye-bye. any more depressing stats? Oh, hello. Dan, uh, sorry, Dan. Oh, we've got We've got our special <clears> guest, um, Ben Rowley. Welcome back, mate. You okay? Hello. Am I interrupting literally the middle of a podcast? You you are, but mate, you're you're a special man. You can interrupt us whenever you want. Oh, amazing! <laughs> <laughs> Dan was just running through our terrible home form. That's just really enough depressing stat after depressing stat, Ben. You've done well to not come in until now. <laughs> oh, just stop then. Don't 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 read any more while I'm here. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll the stop there, Dan. <laughs> I mean. We're just saying really Ben, around kind of whatever the hell happened to Fortress Britannia. I mean, we've I think we've lost lots that four home games on the bounce now. Um I think it's the first time since like October twenty nineteen and obviously six games without a win as well. So there's no sugarcoating that. It's a pretty damn bad record, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I I mean it is also pretty contextual, in fairness. Um Last day of the season, last home game of the season, rather, particularly against QPR, against a side that had everything to play for, a side that was going to work against us in every single way, whether you spoke about this or not already. You know, what's the two things that we really struggle with? Low block and long ball. And and they came together in the, in the perfect storm with QPR fighting to stay up and us having no reason to to play very well. Hell, half the players in that squad probably aren't going to be here next season. So that paired with the previous games, I'm thinking West Brom. Um, you know, we, we started that game well, but, but clearly West Brom had more to play for than us uh, at that time. It's, it's a shame it's petered out the way it has, because I think had we carried on the good form, then... You know, we could still be within the playoff conversation, which sounds daft after the season we've had. Um, We wouldn't have deserved it, I don't think, overall, looking back. You know, we've had one good month this year. And good luck to anyone getting a season ticket next year. I mean, that that includes my my stupid self, in fairness, and my dad. I was going to say, you gained one. Yeah, of course I am, because that's that's what this football club is relying on. On the pitch, anyway, that's what this football club is relying on, isn't it? It's relying on people just coming back because they feel like they have to. And yeah, yeah, they they we best have a bloody good summer. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah, I think 
I, I, I swear I heard something about uh, the season ticket sales have been above the early bird um, numbers, I think it was. Uh, assuming that's the case. But either way, I think the vast majority of people will not be buying season tickets until the summer, until we've signed a week's worth of what people deem to be quality players and then they'll go through the roof. And uh, again, me and Dan will openly say we aren't buying our season tickets until July, I think it is, uh, or June. Like we're, we're leaving them a, a bit of time. Not so much because of players, it's for other reasons, but like you, people have not gone to the last handful of home games and been inspired to go out and buy season tickets. Um, you know, as I said, people have not got much money as it is, but um I mean, thinking about QPR, Ben, I mean, what did you actually think of the game? Did anyone really come out of it with any real credit for you? No. No. <laughs> no not at all. Um, yeah, I think Connor Taylor was brave, wasn't he, to an extent? You know, he he, he broke through the midfield a couple of times. Um, but, I mean just the goal we conceded i've not even bothered watching the highlights back to be honest because <laughs> it's just what's the point like i it's it's a shame so i before the season i've left one game early in my time supporting stoke in my 10 or so years supporting stoke um that was against aston villa one of tony pulis's last ever home games for us um this season i've left twice left after Preston scored their winning goal um, and I left after QPR and I left after 93 minutes. I was very tempted to leave after 50 just because it was an utter, an utter disgrace. I've gotten, I, I, I still feel angry about it and it's what, five days later? It, it, there is no excuse for putting in that pathetic level of performance to not have a shot until the 74th minute is just spineless. I don't care how much the, uh, the possession we had. We played into QPR's hands the whole game. It, I'm 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 furious at a lot of them, and I, you know, it's a shame because I like a fair few of the players in this team. But what is? Uh, even if a couple of individuals were trying, you could see that Tyrese Campbell was getting frustrated and wanted to go at the opposition on a couple of occasions. But as a collective, there's no excuse for that pathetic no. performance I said to Dan the other week I think that there's a lot of them there who people use the term and, I, and it's, it's a relevant term they're on the beach they've had enough they don't want to get injured before the summer I get it um, but you've still got a paying audience that deserves to be entertained they're coming to giving up their time their money you know probably other commitments to go and watch you so the least you can do is put some effort in and it felt when I watched the game back and yes I did watch the game back um the body language at times was very moping around and dragging themselves to the pitch. Like, like they really didn't want to be there. Um, I mean, Dan, I mean, Dan, Ben really can't think of anyone that kind of came out of this in any great light. Um, maybe a half a, a nod to Connor Taylor. Was, was there anyone who did anything for you? Uh, it, to be honest, the steady Eddie of, Sterling didn't really do anything bad, if you like. But again, there was nothing. What we had trouble was was going forward, onto and creating. And with the opportunities he did get himself forward, he never really he didn't produce anything, uh, which isn't his strength. But still, it would have been nicer, you know, if if he could potentially put 
you know, just a couple of balls into the box or something. But I don't think he did anything bad. He was solid, as he always is defensively. Um, Pearson wasn't at his best, but I think he probably covered the ground. And if anybody looked likely to spark any kind of sort of commitment and encourage from them. It did seem to be him, especially when he went when we went one nil down and he sort of you know put his foot into a few tackles and uh, I think he's the kind of player that that in the long run if we can get him here permanently could just be what we need in them kind of games to be honest. Just someone who when the crowd are on the verge of turning or being a bit sort of shrugging the shoulders don't really you know don't really care he can just bring bring them back and bring the team back together um like I say so I think he those two really I suppose were for my I do agree with Ben I did see um effort from from Campbell I thought he did try a lot and you could see a lot of frustration with him I think he was getting quite physical with a lot of the QPR um back line who was sort of well, they were being a Gareth Ainsworth side, weren't they? They'd been very physical themselves. Um, and I think he didn't shake that battle, but didn't have the rub of the green in that or the, the support of the people around him, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. Obviously, Hoover was, was shining a lot from defence, and Sterling was as well. I mean, it's probably harsh to pull them two out, but I don't feel as if they've done anything for the last six weeks or so. I mean, I suppose you could say that about the entire bloody team, to be honest, but <laughs> I, I, I do I do think that it's it's almost like a collective that they've all switched off. And for me, it started as soon as mathematically the playoffs were gone. And I know, if thinking about it, it looks like the playoffs look a million miles away now, but mathematically, if it was in our hands at one point. Um, so it was almost, that's over and that's it. We've switched off. That's the way it came across to me. Um, you know when it started, really. To be honest, it was Bristol City. Like, Bristol, yeah. We were we were going on our longest unbeaten run of the season, five games, <laughs> and then we followed it up with the longest winless run of the season in six games. And it, I think, you know, going into that game and being one nil up on, on, it was Good Friday, wasn't it? I think, um, you know, we were thinking, yeah, we're going to cruise to uh, another another three points here and the playoffs might be on but <laughs> just to to get the stuffing knocked out of us by losing the lead and then losing in the end that's that's killed the season the same with the Birmingham performance on Easter Monday where nothing happened you could tell then how the rest of the season was going to go yeah 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 you could and I mean one thing I wanted to ask you about um, especially so the whole kind of Lap of honour, or well, lap of dishonour is probably more accurate to be to be honest with you. Um, now, I've never seen a place empty so fast on the last game of the season. I think it was very clear to me that fans made their thoughts very clear. Um, I don't think any of the fans, the players, well, the manager certainly spotted it. Uh, the owners, they can't be under any illusions that what this season has done is just. Everyone's disheartened that they they were just fed up. I mean, have you have you ever experienced it where it's emptied to the levels where bloody Twitter pages and everything else are, are laughing at us because of well about fifteen people left in the stadium? Obviously, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but you get you get my point. No, I, I, 
No, I haven't. But then, to be fair to me, I I, I wasn't there either, so I, I can't <laughs> I can't really say very much myself. Um, I look, I can only speak for myself, and there are going to be people that that aren't as bothered about Stoke as me. Uh, there'll be people there with families that went for a one-off and would have wanted to have stayed behind, and you know got the chance to you know maybe it was their first game. You know they come to see Bojan last game of the season, thinking then uh, the Norwegian Stokies that have probably come over. They definitely would have wanted to have, to have stuck around. I'm sure. Um, you, you know, kids bringing their young families to you know see the players and try and get shirts and stuff. They probably would have stuck around, but you know, I'm just looking at <laughs> my my statistics for the season, and for my 400 pound of a season ticket, and you're probably looking at you know I've been to a couple of away games, so you're looking at probably 50, 60 quid for those tickets. Um, I've seen six wins this season, and what's that like 40 50 pound a win more than that <laughs> it's i i i haven't got the um <laughs> i haven't got the non-rude words to be able to describe how sad that is like it's like getting a fulham season ticket isn't it like ah i'm just so frustrated and i cannot blame anybody who doesn't have, you know, forget honour. I can completely understand anyone who doesn't have any appreciation for half those players. Because again, they're either not going to be here or what do they deserve as a collective? I think yeah. this season, unfortunately, even though I've said I, I, I do like a few individuals in there, very little. Very, very little, particularly those who played that day. You know, you've got people like Ben Wilmot injured, Jacob Brown injured. You know, those players would have liked to have, you know, given a bit of appreciation to. But otherwise, yeah, there's a handful. Of, uh, uh, well, the majority. Uh, maybe it's recency bias, but I'd see a lot of them go now. I was going to say, any of them walk around the pitch. I mean, how many are actually even going to be here next season? Like, They're not going to want to be after that, are they? Well, you know, after, no. after after seeing the stand clean out like that, from a play point of view, it must be gutting. So a lot of them probably would want to go, and that's fine. But I think the feeling is mutual for a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, wasn't exactly inspiring, was it? For I think you could see somebody like um, again going back to Pearson. He was straight down the tunnel full time, and I. Um, Person I went with, sort of like, oh, that's not a good sign. Didn't mm-hmm. like stay to opponents. And I thought, well, mate, I said to him, well, maybe they've just been instructed at the final whistle. Don't stay out there applauding because then fans will think, you know, you come in, get get wherever you change, get your kids, whatever you're going to do, and then we'll go back out as a group. Um, but yeah, and then he came back in, and I noticed he was on the inside of the group, obviously, his shirt off and stuff. And, um, they didn't look too enthralled to, to be doing it, did they? But like I say, they're probably embarrassed that there's so few people had stayed behind to do it. Well, it's not going to help us. I mean, I was going to say, well, I was going to move on to this in a bit, but since we're on that, kind of on that subject, and when we think about the players who were potentially might come back, you know, you've mentioned Pearson there. I mean, small bone, I was going to bring later, like I said, but I mean, we never really thought we were going to be able to afford small bone. And I think it's, very clear that we that we're not going to be able to, but he's come out this week and said that he'd be lying if he if he said he didn't want to go back to Southampton. Now, 
we all know Southampton are going down. Uh, I know it's tight down there, but they do not have enough and their fixtures are horrendous. So Southampton are down. We have effectively just made Southampton stronger next season uh, with what could be a very, very good attacking midfielder or wherever they're going to play. You know, it's not going to be a surprise that he's not coming back, but you get what Alex Neal's saying when he talks about loan players and we're just improving people for other teams. That one, you've just got a horrible feeling that he's going to come back here and score a winning goal for Southampton or something next year. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. So, oh, sorry, I was going to ask, was there, in terms of man of the match, I'll come back to that in a minute, but was was there anything that you wanted to talk about from a, a QPR standpoint? I mean, Ben mentioned about you know the long ball and we've been susceptible to that all season. Um we're just still incapable of dealing with teams who play in that manner, aren't we? Yeah, I think the long ball down the middle has been just uh, it's criminally easy for teams to pull off and criminally it's so bad and we're so bad at defending it, to be honest. And you're not going to do anything in this division if you can't, if you can't do that because there's going to be teams that are set up to do it naturally and there's going to be other teams who are We've got players who it's it's not as if it's a tough ask for a professional footballer, is it, to you know lump a big ball down the middle, <laughs> and and our defence just don't seem to be able to cope with it. Um, which again, like I say, hopefully it's something we can you know recruit right in the summer, so that that's not an issue going forward. Um, is that down to recruitment or is that down to training? I mean, sh- surely any professional footballer should be able to tackle a long ball, shouldn't they? Well, you, you adjust your position, or you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. clearly Morgan Fox can't deal with it, and I mean, I just yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, as an outsider, you know, you see that at Sunday League level, and you think, well, it's Sunday League, you know, you expect it. But when you're talking about a Championship team, and it's just a long ball every single time, it's like, oh god, how have you not though, coached this out? I guess in this case is, you know, we are a high pressing team, so our forwards are gone, our midfielders are going to be rushing their midfield to try and win the ball back quickly. So what you've got is essentially a 40-year-old and <laughs> Morgan Fox had a good season. Left back. <laughs> exactly. He is yeah. not particularly physical in terms of speed, in terms of height, in terms of strength. None of that. He is not built to be running back. We, we miss Ben Wilmot, Neil said, because of his pace and his athleticism in terms of getting back and sweeping up those balls no wonder the same we appreciated Twanzebe with the half an hour he's probably had this season um, sorry I, I think I'm coming off quite salty today but I, it's I, a fair I, point just just to be honest no wonder in the last week no wonder teams are looking at Phil Jagielka and Morgan Fox and going oh yeah we'll knock balls over the top for them and they'll really struggle so I'm not surprised do you think Jagielka has slowly worked his way out of a a short-term deal. Are we seeing the real downside to a Phil Jagielka now? I think we've seen why Phil Jagielka cannot be plan A, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I think you've seen how he could be useful for five to ten games in a season, in fairness, or in a team where we're playing, oh, I don't know who comes down next season, Everton. Everton come down next season, sign a couple of forwards for twenty million or so, and they they're going to be right on us. And actually, we need to sit back, take a lot of pressure. And Jagielka might be great for that, but for how Neil wants to play, he's he's if he's playing any more than five games next season, 
we 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 ain't getting anywhere near playoffs. No any. No, I think it's really important we get Ben Wilmot back. I mean, I don't know about Twanzebe, we'll we'll see. There's very very mixed opinions. We all know. Well, we've all heard how good Twanzebe is. We've seen flashes um, of that. But I made the point earlier on the week that we've already had a Nick Powell who's Mr. Unreliable when it comes to injuries. Do we really want another one? He's not going to be cheap. He'll be, he'll be probably one of the highest earners we've got at this club. And if he's only going to be able to play 10 games a season, I, you know, I'd have to turn around and say, well, I've been giving Nick Powell stick for that all season. So you'd have to then turn around and give Axel the same thing. Is that too much of a gamble? Or is it worth it? I guess only the club and, and Alex Neal know the answer to that one. Um, I'm still on the fence. I think he's a good player, but I've, he's just been surrounded by injury. So, interesting to see where that goes. Um, Dan, how have we looked for Man of the Match polls? I haven't been keeping track of it, but I saw some funny additions uh, at one point. Oh, yes. there was. Um, it, it got quite a few votes, and the majority of them weren't first players that actually played in the game. <laughs> right. So... The, the Facebook poll got a total of 248 votes. Now, start with Nigel Johnson won it. Well done, Nigel. You got man of the match. 24% of the vote. <laughs> hey, he was great. He did the whole that, 90 right? minutes, to be fair. <laughs> Didn't he break um, a sweat? <laughs> so that was it. Harry Noden added that. So thank you for that, Harry. Uh, second place was Bojan with 17%. <laughs> <laughs> So cheers for Andrew Manford for that. Is that because he sat down in his seat? That was brilliant. <laughs> and then uh, Dujon Sterling, he, he was the he was the actual the next best. So he was the actual Stoke player who won the man of the match. I thought um, be Lee Andrew. Uh, street ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, streets ahead of uh, Ben Pearson, who was second, and then Connor Taylor was third. Um, and just smatterings of votes for other players. Uh, we got Martin Peter says anyone who stayed till the final whistle. Uh, John Gerard says the Stoke under 15s Floodlit Cup Northern Area final winning team. Uh, to be fair, the run they had to the final, then they probably did deserve by the match just for braiding that trophy round at half time. Uh, Kenneth Beach said crap. Okay, that got 2% of the vote. And uh, Pablo George, my cat. Not my cat, his cat. <laughs> <That's a bit laughs> random. Okay. Uh... Um, but yeah, I did get uh, did get somebody asking me. Didn't tell why. Do not. Why, why are you even bothering with this? I, I did say we've backed ourselves into a corner by taking the standings for every game. Unfortunately, I told you not done. to. You did. I, t- I did. I said we've already we've already made Ben Wilmot the well not we the listeners have made Ben Wilmot uh, the player of the season. And I thought, well, you you know, Dan, you can use this as an excuse not to run it and to not have to put your tin hat on. But you still went ahead with it. And I was like, well, on your red bit. Um, so, I let the dust settle. I didn't put out till Sunday <laughs> I noticed morning. that. I let, the, I let the dust settle. I thought, let, let people rage. Let people think. And then maybe Sunday morning might be a quite better time to do it. Uh, would you like to know who Player of the Month was for April? No. <laughs> <laughs> was it well, was it Stewart in block nine? No, in third place, no. despite only playing three and a bit games out of the seven, was Ben Wilmot. Oh god. So he came third. 
Um, second place was Ben Pearson. And just ahead of him, Player of the Month for April, Jack Bonham. Oh, Bloody my hell. God. So, How depressing is that? <laughs> How many clean cheese did he keep in April? Was it one? Yeah, because we lost the majority of the games, so we definitely didn't keep clean sheets in them ones. I think there was only the yeah seven games. Yeah, it was just right at the start. Yeah, right at the start, he would have kept on one too. Well done, Jack. Mm. Doing the bare minimum. In fact, I was going to say he's he's not been as bad as he as he has been. Let's just give him that amount of credit. I guess um, he's he's been worse. If that's the way of winning a man of, man of the month, poll, the final really sure, damning but... indictment on this season. I, I mean, yeah. if you want to, it's we're not quite as bad as Chelsea. Did you see that? There's a video doing the rounds, and there that someone doctored and said April's goal of the month competition for Chelsea. And the only goal they scored in the whole month was a, like a, a really bad deflected shot from Conor Gallagher that sort of wrong-footed the keeper and just rolled in. And it's just that goal on loop. And it's like, best goal. Best goal from outside the box. <laughs> um, most beautiful goal. Best goal by best goal by substitute. Best, it's like the same goal on loop. So we haven't quite sunk to that standard. And our squad didn't cost about... Two point three billion pounds to put together, but <laughs> but yes, that, that's uh, yeah. Wait, we can wait that's... for that. that. Maybe that's next season. We're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe next season. Um, right. Uh, do you want to do anything else before we move on? To... Um, no, I think, I think that's pretty much wraps up. Like I say, I think that that was the seventh one nil home defeat of the season. By the way, so it just goes to show that teams. They come here, they they get a goal by hook or by crook, and then they just sit back, knowing full well that we will continue to pass it sideways and backwards and not beat the first man with crosses for 90 minutes, and they'll just take the three points. That's become the norm, apparently, and they've lost sort of six months or so, unfortunately. I seem to remember us giving West Brom absolute piles of stick for passing the you know, crab football. Yeah, it's not not bad if it's going somewhere, but if it's not going somewhere, it's um. Well, well I've watched I've watched Manchester City before we recorded tonight, and it flashed up on the screen saying eighty <laughs> percent possession, and I thought, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a slight difference in what they've done with eighty percent possession and what we did with eighty percent possession. <laughs> Who needs Haaland when you got Jacob Brown, eh? Well, we do um, Jacob Brown. We don't even have Jacob Brown either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Who knows who we've got these days? Certainly, I think he'll be one of the few players here next year. Um, but anyway, let's move into this week's news. So we've been talking about miserable things. We've been down in the dumps about QPR, but we can actually pass on some good news. So we've been hinting at it for a couple of weeks. Uh, we can now confirm that Ben Wilmot will be recording a podcast with us tomorrow. Uh, which for us is Thursday, um, the 4th of May. So uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, me and Dan will be, be talking to him. We've got about 15, 20 questions and also a quick fire round that if anyone's listened to the Tyrese Campbell one from uh, from last season, then um, you'll kind of have an idea. So thanks to, to everyone who gave us some questions and, and bits like that. We know you're going to enjoy it and it will be out before the end of the month. So just keep an eye on the Facebook group or Twitter um, and we'll tell you when that's going to be. Um, Alex Neal as well has mentioned this week that he's going to be sitting down uh, with each of the players uh, to talk about who's going to be needed for next season 
I imagine that that retained list, which will come out probably the week after, is going to be quite a small one. Um, even then, I expect it will change. So if you see a couple of names on there that you know you wouldn't expect, it doesn't necessarily mean they're definitely going to be staying. So don't read too much into it. Um, if you see a couple of surprising names, if I see Nick Powell on there come the summer, I'm going to be very disappointed, uh, just as an example. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of players. It's going to be hopefully a very, very small retained list. Next one is obviously Mr. Stoke City, Mr. Nigel Johnson himself, of course, announced his retirement previously and it was his last game. Um, put you on the spot a little bit here, boys. Any particular memories from, from Nigel Johnson's commentary career? I mean, the whole, the whole heads go up, red and white stockings comments, and you know, there's a few classics in there, but... Um, any particular games or bits of commentary that, that stick in the mind? You know, it was funny. Um, I, was, I watched back the video that the club put out this week. Um, I, well, I watched all the videos that the club put out this week regarding Nigel because um, there was one where uh, they sat him down and chatted to him, but there's another one where they'd gone through like his sort of commentary highlights, I guess. Um, yeah. And I can't remember what the first instance of this uh, of of this saying was, um, you know, it was a fair decent time ago before Premier League days, um, but then it was uh, our win against Preston in a recent season where Voke scored the winner, and he said <laughs> Stoke City are back from the dead. And I just like yeah. how they looped that background to when he said it before. I, I, he's just such a such a good commentator, such a distinctive voice, such a good way of describing the game. Um, some real iconic moments for goals and yeah he is going to be sorely missed by a lot of people Um, and good luck to whatever he does next and good luck to whoever fills his shoes because they've got a big job on I was going to say how how do you replace someone like that I mean I, I think we've all I mean I remember before streaming was ever a thing and um, you know, my Saturdays, my, my dad couldn't afford to take me to the football matches um, an awful lot. I'd have to really be picking and choosing games. And for me, it was turning Radio Stoke on, playing on the PlayStation, in my nan's front room, um, and listening to the commentary. And, you know, it just, he was the voice of Stoke City every single week. Like, that is, that's, that's what it was. You, you didn't have the option to turn a stream on. So if you didn't follow the Radio Stoke commentary with Nigel Johnson, you didn't you didn't follow it. You know, you would you would put tally text on and you know you you'd see what the score was. <laughs> that that's probably the only other way you were gonna find out. You know, podcasts didn't exist. So for a lot of people listening to this, they can't remember anything different other than what they've already experienced now. But he yeah, that is what Stoke City was for a lot of people. Um and I know what you mean, that that saying you referred to back back from the dead, absolutely. That sticks in the memory. I put a post out because I, I watched that video like you did, and I just kept having the shivers, like just moments. And it, you know, it was happy, but it's also depressing to see what we were and what we are now as well. Um, and it's a shame we couldn't go out on a high for him. To be honest, it's probably one of the least impressive games he could have possibly wanted to end on. To be honest, but yeah, good, good luck to. Good luck to Nigel anyway. Uh, I'm sure he'll be finding something interesting to do. Maybe still connected to Stoke in some way. And, you know, at the very worst, maybe he can turn up to games and just sit back and relax and enjoy it without having to worry about doing a job. Um, He'll be on the bench next season, the way it's going. 
<laughs> the new goalkeeper. Um, no, left back. <laughs> left back, left back. Okay, brilliant. Um, and then final bit of news before we go into the under-18s and women's sections, etc. Um, Iverson, now obviously a player that we will link to a number of times, um, especially latest in the January transfer window. Um, unfortunately, he's been having a blinder for Leicester. Uh, there was a comment about who it was now. I think it was Everton. Uh, he made an incredible point-blank save. Um, there was there's a lot. He's just been really good. So I think it's safe to say that if Leicester come down, then there we go. There's absolutely no chance. Even if they stay up, um, we might have a bit of a battle on our hands to try and keep hold of well, sorry, to get hold of him anyway. So another one that unfortunately is becoming you know slimmer and slimmer by the day. What you could possibly say, however, on the flip side, is that Alex Neal seems to know how to spot a player. Iverson, you know, small bone. Maybe a Hoover could obviously be in there uh, when he's not on the beach. So, you know, he can at least spot a good player. And that's pretty much the main news. Um, Dan, what, what, what have we got in the way of youth and women's updates, mate? Uh, so, to the under-21s finished their season last week. Uh, so nothing more to report on them. Uh, the under-18s, uh, last Saturday, they had a 3-0 defeat away at Everton, uh, which means it's no win in six games now for the under-18s. Uh, they, they've slipped to fifth in the league table, uh, but they can still get back up to fourth if they avoid defeats in uh, this weekend's final game of the season, which is away at bottom of the table, Leeds. Uh, this Saturday, 11am kickoff. So if they can get in and uh, better Everton's results in their final match of the season, uh, then, yeah, we'll go back above them. So currently level on points, but they've got their goal difference. Uh, so, yeah, we just need to better Everton's result. Now, the women, now we knew there was a bit of a title sort of decided, sort of a bit of a, a three-way battle game for the league, um, not involving Stoke, but with our opponents um, last Sunday. So, yeah, the final game of the season, we were away at Forest. And they run out uh, three nil winners on the day, which was enough for them to clinch the title. So they clinched promotion and the title, uh, winning it on goal difference from Wolves, who also I believe got promoted. Um, Burnley finishing third, just two points behind. Uh, there was the other results sort of went against us as well on the final day, which meant we did actually drop from sixth down to tenth in the league. So we finished tenth out of twelve. Um, in a you know, quite a congested sort of middle to bottom end of the of that league there, um, so yeah, we sort of came out unfortunately at the bottom of quite a tight group of about five or six sides uh, in there. So yes, that was um, how those three sides sort of come together. Uh, the three, yeah, the under 18s under twenty ones, and women's. Lovely, thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate it. So uh, that pretty much wraps things up. Uh, we can hopefully be a little bit more positive uh with the upcoming game versus Watford on Monday and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One final game to go. Um, all I can say is thank God it ain't at home. Um, and thank God the season's over, to be honest. Uh, you know, I think for our own sanity and mental health, we need to stop talking about Stoke for at least a week. So um, maybe I try, you know, maybe our trip to Watford can inspire some positive performance, if not positive result. Um, I mean, Dan, how, how are we looking from a stats perspective? It's actually looks pretty good. Um, so, right, so we've played Watford on 40 occasions. We've got 16 victories, 7 draws, 17 defeats. At Watford, we've played them on 20, played them 20 times. We've won on eight games. We've drew three and we've lost nine times. Uh, the first meeting with Watford didn't actually take place till 1967. Uh, the first league meeting wasn't until 1982, and the first meeting in the second tier wasn't until 1988. Uh, we lost our first six trips to Watford, which means we've actually uh, won eight, drew three, and lost three. They're the last 14, so pretty good record. Um, and we've actually won four of the last five trips to Vicarage Road and seven of the last ten. So it's actually quite a good hunting ground for Stoke in recent times. Um, Watford's 4-0 win at the Bet365 Stadium earlier this season was our biggest loss since losing 5-0 to Leeds in June 2020. So Stoke are seventh in the away table with 30 points from 22 games. Watford are 10th in the home table with 36 points from the 22 games. And over the last five fixtures, uh, Stoke are only have only got Norwich below them, uh, so our two points puts us twenty third in the form table, scoring two and conceding five, so not a lot of goals either in them games. Whilst Watford have uh, got five points from the last five games, which sees them sixteenth. Uh, they've also scored seven and conceded eight. Now, we have eight away victories this season, which has only been bettered by nine away wins in 2007-2008 and 10 away wins in 2005-2006 in the last 23 years, that is. Uh, and talking about, obviously, that's this century, pretty much, and uh, talking about records from the century, uh, we've scored three or more goals in four away league games this season. It's only the second time this century, 2007-2008, was the other time that had happened. And one final stat to end off, um, it's quite a positive one. We are unbeaten in the last 11 final day fixtures with seven wins and four draws. Okay. Okay, so it's not, not looking too bad. And like I said, I think a solution next year is just to not play at home. Let's just agree to have all away games next year. Sounds like it's probably a better plan. Who's up for an away season ticket? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't go down that route, mate. We'll have to put that po- uh, past Ben to add on to the supporters council uh, minutes. <laughs> surely, on, the ben, plan, surely the plan is just have one game a season so that it's always the last game. We'll always, yeah. you know, we'll be unbeaten forever. 
Yeah, well, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but it certainly can't be any bloody worse than 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 this home season's been anyway. Um, I mean, Dan, who's the who's the referee? Anyone we've actually heard of this week? Or well, it's Lewis Smith, which I thought that's not a name. I'm not not familiar with that name. Don't really know it. It's his first ever championship game, and he's only actually ever ref twelve EFL games, which have all come this season. Um, in, in League One, League Two. Uh, before that, he'd ref 68 times in the National League, um, and yeah, about four, I think it's 46 times doing sort of the Premier League too, so like under 21 fixtures. Um, so he's got a few games under his belt, but none at this, none at this level, and so I could say very few sort of professional level games as well. So he looks like he's getting fast track through. He must be impressing somebody somewhere. So yeah, we'll have to. Uh, We'll have to see. Not, I'm not saying not a lot because he's not not really done a lot to comment on. <laughs> Obviously, he's never ref state before, and he never never ref Watford either. So yeah, he's uh, somebody. If if the game actually has any intensity and what is probably the deadest of dead rubbers, he'll uh, somebody actually say we can uh, have a look at and see if we think he's any good. <laughs> Might be the most interesting thing on the pitch. <laughs> so new. Well, he'll be the only one probably putting a bit of Everton and running around. Um, I mean, just having traffic, we talk about players not being up for it and, and all that. I mean, if us as fans couldn't care less about this game against Watford, how do you think the, the players feel? <laughs> Is that of interest? Did, did, you think, did you think that kind of feeds onto the pitch and affects how they play? Or do, do you think they, they'll just give us the same old tribe they've been giving us for the last couple of months? I know it it really shouldn't matter because we're all human at the end of the day. But fans going to Watford are probably paying, I don't know what the prices are, but 30, 40 quid to go while the Stoke players are getting paid 10 grand. So, yeah, uh, I know it's 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 a really bad argument because, you know, realistically, that is their normal state being paid to go and play football. But, you know... <laughs> You should be going in professional, and I, and that's what annoyed me about the QPR game. The same about the Wigan game, really. You know, regardless of what's happened in the season, Neil said you're fighting for your professional futures at this club. Um, the club is fighting to try and finish as high as it can in the table to try and attract players in 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 the summer window. Um, on an individual basis, surely there's goal bonuses and other things you can be getting for you know playing well or I, I you know they shouldn't be on the beach as much as they might be as much as they probably don't care in the moment like we don't when we're one nil down to a team who's just fighting to stay up they they should certainly be caring more than us i i, I think anyway yeah yeah no, you're right mate these the shots um I don't know. We'll 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 see. I think again, if if all of them don't think they're going to be here next year, then they're not playing for this year. They just, but they should be playing as you kind of alluded to. They should be playing for the people who paid the money, you know, for their careers about where they're going to go next. Because, you know, if if I'm a, I don't want to call loads of people out, but if I'm a, a Thompson or Christ, take your pick uh, from the fringe players, Sam Lucas or whoever. You can't surely expect to go and get yourself a better club than Stoke. A team's going to pay you more money. 
some teams are going to be higher up than that. So you need to impress scouts or whoever's going to be looking at you. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't get it either. So either way, um, team-wise, I mean, Ben, have a think about your, your team, about what you want to go for, but I'm going to come to um, Mr. Buxton first. Uh, Dan, you're very pro-youth and giving youth a chance. Um Personally, I don't think he will do that just because I don't think he can afford to go out on a hammering. Um, but do you have a bit of a youthful team for your one? Um, I've got slight... Basically, I've got one Debussin coming in. Um, so pretty similar, I think, to... So actually, yeah, it's not that similar. Actually, we're going to about four. So Bonham's in goal. Um, Sterling, Taylor, Fox, and Timon is about four. I do not know why. I understand the manager's thing of Ben Wilmot's not been available, so we haven't been able to play, or he is key to him being able to play about four. But at the end of the day, he's probably had about five or six games here where the the, the, the season had pretty much gone. Um, and he's an opportunity to look and then get prepared for next season, to have a look at players in roles that he maybe hasn't been able to see them. So, but instead he's brought like gone to about five, but he just want to play about five next season. So what is yeah. he learning about somebody like a Connor Taylor about five or a Morgan Fox? He, he, he doesn't need to know that because he's not going to play that way, is he, once he gets his own no. people in. But what he does need to know is actually is Morgan Fox capable of doing me a job in a two with a two man centre backs. Is Connor Taylor capable of doing me a job with as you know in, in about four rather than about five? So I do not understand, I'll be honest. I mean and this wasn't the you know the question you asked me, but I do not understand it's why fine. we changed formation. Um so for me I I'd have gone with this the last six weeks to be honest. And if it if it was that it, it showed that the players weren't up to it, at least he would have learned something. And like these games here to me, whether we won or lost or drew the last five or six games, that was that was secondary to learning. He had, not, he had a real good opportunity here to learn something. And I, I, as much as I like Alex Neal, I think he's he's sort of not not done it. If you know what I mean, he's he's not took the opportunity he was given to learn about his players. Um, and the different things he could have brought other players in, he could have brought Baker in instead of Smallman for the last few weeks and does Baker, Loren and, and Pearson work as a midfield three or does does he need to cast Baker aside or whatever Is he, yeah. you know, he, he could have learned that he could have learned his Taylor good enough in a two so could he play Wilmot and Taylor he doesn't know that, is Josh Timon a good left back, he knows he's a good left wing back but he's not going to play with wing back so is he an option to him as a left back or not doesn't really know too much because he's he's been changing the formation. Anyway, Unless he's made his mind up that he just wants to get rid of all of them, as many as he can, and really start from scratch. And he doesn't could, care. It it's it's a bit I, short-sighted, maybe. but Yeah, I think he's got a budget to manage. So maybe it's a, it's a thing of he needs everybody to be, whatever percentage of that budget that player's using, he needs to reflect that in his thoughts. And maybe he does look at certain players who are maybe the high earners in the squad who maybe he doesn't consider to be first team people for him. And he's thinking, well, I could actually use your, I could, the funds that are going into you and your wages, I could put to better use elsewhere. So I'm 
obviously thinking of people like Lewis Baker there. Um, is he? Is, is that what his thought, thought process says? He'd rather nothing against Lewis Baker personally. He'd rather him leave though and use that money for you know somebody more. I don't know, more accustomed and more designed to play the role that he wants him to play in that midfield. Uh, that being said, uh, he is in my midfield. I'd play Pearson, Baker and Loren. I'd play Gale up front, Campbell on the left and uh, Jacob Holland Wilkinson is the one uh, coming in on the right. He's the debutant. He's been on the bench a few times, scored a cracking goal the other week for the under-21s. If you're not going to play him today, well, now you're going to play him and he's crying out for him. With, with 20 minutes to go against QPR, really, he should have been chucked down for me, if not before, yeah. because there was nothing to lose in that game. And like you say, learning, is you know, is this kid just there to make the numbers up or is he or is he actually a, a potential, you know, he either learned a lot in them 20 minutes about him and the kid would have learned a lot about what was required from him as well. But okay. there you go. All right, perfect. Uh, ben, any dramatic changes for you? Um, not particularly. I think I'm going to be quite facetious in my justification for some of these players coming in. So, uh, Jack Bonham has proved to me that he can definitely be Stoke City's number three next season, so I'd give him a new contract, <laughs> but not bother playing him. Um, I'd say if Sarkic is fit, if we, if we still even have him, I'd play him. Um, if not, I'd play Tommy Simkin if, if he's you know, got time off from his exams or something. Um, I'll play Lewis Bagari because he's actually won something this season. Am I right? Um, so, so I'd, I'd, I'd play him um, unless he's injured. He might be injured like the rest of the squad seem to be. Um, Phil Jagielka, I'd give him a swung song because he, if he plays another game of football at championship level, I might have an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> There's hope I, for us yet. <laughs> I um and I and I play kind of Taylor to be honest because I think in all seriousness, um, w- whether it's the right thing to do or not, um, it, it'll the, this game will probably decide whether he goes out on loan next season or he has a part here next season. Um, at, at Stoke because I think the defensive side of his game probably needs to improve if he's going to be, um in and around the squad as much as I admire his bravery going forward. Um, I did have Josh Tymon in the, in the team twice, so I'm going to have to um, leave him and stick him up front. And I'll have uh, Dujon Sterling at left back. Um, ben Pearson, assuming that Alex Neal has already signed him, um, we may as well play him because he's going to be in the team next season anyway. Um, Josh Laurent is basically Rude Hullet, even though Stoker crap, so I'd play him as well. Um, if if Lewis Baker can, can be bothered to turn up for this game, then I'd play him as well. Um, Tyrese Campbell, uh, hopefully he actually does something creative and scores a goal. Um, that'd be nice. Make a nice change. Um, Dwight Gale... <laughs> Um, no, sorry, not for not for Campbell specifically. <laughs> I mean for the team, for what it's worth. Right, okay. I think Campbell's been one of our better players this season. Genuinely do. Um, I think it's just a shame that he he it took Neil a while to put him in a position where he got the best out of him. Um, you know, playing him down the middle in a two just did not suit him. And I think playing him on the wing. It has certainly improved things. Um, having someone half decent next to him um, will be helpful as well. Because bloody hell, if I see another long ball pumped up to Dwight Gale, I I might lose it. Um, 
but I, I think we're going to have to play him as well because we've decided to sell all our other strikers or send them back on loan to Man City or whatever it was. Um, and then, as I said, I'd have I'd have Tyron up front as well because um, he did lots of exciting things against QPR. He was the only one, I think, to do lots of exciting things against QPR from memory. He put about 60 crosses in in the first half an hour. So, um, assuming Watford will be asleep come Bank Holiday Monday, then he might catch down by surprise. Um yeah, that that was that was really harsh on quite a few players there. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm still angry from Saturday, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm still really annoyed. No, I agree with you about Bonham. He, he's he'll be a number three next season if if we've done our recruitment right. Um, and he, that's a good place for him. I mean, Frankie Fielding must be laughing his socks off really for for what he's done. Dan will will back him and say he's a good one for the youth, and we, it's been said so we're not going to recover it, but. He's been picking up a wage for very, very little, but it's not his fault. Like he, he knew his job when he went in there, so it's no, no criticism of him. You know, he, I don't think he could have forced his way in if he tried. Uh, he, he was only there for that. So, no, fair enough. And yeah, Connor Taylor, either he's, he's got to be good enough for next year or he's not. Uh, things like this is where we would need to see it. I aren't convinced he, he is, but who knows? We've seen glimpses of a, of a good player in Connor Taylor. So maybe another loan is, is probably good. Um, and like Dan was saying, I think I think Alex has missed a trick uh, with with some of the decisions that he's made. Um, unless, as I said, he's he's already made his mind up. So we'll see. Um, ben, what score prediction are you going for uh, for Watford? I'm imagining not a positive one. Can we both lose? Um... Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that a genuine outcome because I feel like it, both teams deserve to lose the way that we've ended the season um, I can't imagine that our Watford correspondent if we have one um, is is at all op- optimistic at all um, genuinely it, 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 wouldn't it be so stoked to win 4-0 on the weekend <laughs> and everybody gets a new contract as a result so oh Christ please yeah man. let's go for 4-0 Stoke just to <laughs> surely this this dull repetitive uh, headache-inducing season cannot be any worse than it already is, right? Okay, so uh, Dan, Ben's gone for 4-0 Stoke. He's clearly um, been on drugs before joining the podcast. <laughs> uh, w- w- what are you going for? I'm assuming not 4-0 Stoke. It seems quite boring now, 1-1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I have to go with that because I've written it down. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll go for the opposite then. 3 0 Watford. 1 1 Lewis Baker. That's what I've got here. Oh, have I got to pick four players to score? Is that how this works? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll name four players to score if Mike can name three Watford players. <laughs> uh, on, name your, um, name your, your, your goal scorers then. Name my goal scorers. Let's go. I frantically Googled Watford. <laughs> Did you notice how? Go on, sorry. Go on, right. How about Gale more than doubles his tally for the season? All four. Okay. And then in the stats, looks like he had a below average season rather than a terrible one. Wouldn't it be a shame if he scored seven goals but they came in three games <laughs> all season? One was off his backside, two were tappings against Sunderland, and the rest were in a dead rubber against Watford. 
Hey, speaking of tappings, um, Liam Delap scored for the first time this season uh, for, for Preston the, the the other week. Um, we could have done with it. Must be real. <laughs> that, we that, really that, couldn't. That extra goal against Bristol might have sent us up. Well, um, the guy has been a complete flop so far. So, yeah, it's only he couldn't even get on the pitch for, for Preston half the time, mate. But um, as soon as you ask me a question, I will accept your challenge. Um, and I'm going to go for goal scorers to be the two centre backs. But so it's uh, Cavaselli and Fortius, or so I thought they pronounce it. Um, and then I'm going to go for Star and Davis. I'm going to flipping clue how good they are. I know Sars a good player, to be fair, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for that. But they're they're going to be the. Have I just given you four goal scorers there? I have, haven't yeah, I? I've just yeah. changed. I've just changed your prediction to four nil. Okay, four nil to Watford. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. I'm impressed. I thought you were going to panic at one point and pick Dan Backman. <laughs> no, well, that that would just rub the soul in the way one a goalkeeper goes and scores through. A goalkeeper used to play for Stoke. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Uh, now, you mentioned about audio. We do have some audio from Watford. Uh, we do also have some audio from Mr. Graham McGarry, who must be very happy because, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, Graham has won the prediction table this season. He has indeed. He has confirmed by the fact that we didn't... We somehow didn't see that seventh one nil home defeat coming, and neither of us went for it. <laughs> surely, surely that should have been the, the stock answer. Yeah, what we need a guaranteed result here to make sure we take it to the final day, and neither of us thought, you know, we're obviously going to lose this game one nil. <laughs> Next season, well, I did right? go Next one nil Stoke. Do I not get summit? Next season, can you have a constant nil one? as like an opposition and see whether they win. Well, the opposition financially in that game did go 1-0, unfortunately. So they're now <laughs> creeping up. Um, they've actually, <laughs> this bad run of form we've been on recently, I've seen, uh, I've seen them, them creep right up on me and Mike from, from nowhere. A bit like Randy Orton coming out of nowhere. That's the second <laughs> WWE reference I've made in the past two podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, Daniel, grow up. <laughs> um, would, would you like to know, by the way, um, Ben? Just, just um, what, what if our predictions had all come true? Where we would, what results we would have got this season? Oh, I reckon we'd have beat Burnley. <laughs> beat Burnley, Dan. Yeah, we, we, we would have obliterated Reading's record points. <laughs> God's sake! So. Oh. We act- Stoke have actually had 16 wins, 12 draws and 21 defeats. This is league and cup games. We scored 57, conceded 52 and in 57, well, the equivalent of 57 points from league and cup and all that. Um, no, sorry, 60, 60 points. So, <laughs> the opposition fans have predicted three Stoke wins all season. <laughs> I, and incidentally, the three opposition fans who all came on and actually said, our team are crap, we're going to lose to you, all then went in beaters. <laughs> We've had uh-huh. 23 away fans who've come on and said, who've been quite magnanimous and gone, it'll be a draw. Don't upset. Can't say I'm going to, can't say the team's going to lose. But because I'm on your podcast, I'll say it's going to be a draw. 
23 of them, and we've got 23 who've been able to come out here and say, you know what, we're going to beat you. And probably most of them probably have. Um, so from that, we would have had 32 points. Now, Mike, he's had 28 Stoke wins, 13 draws and 8 defeats, <laughs> giving us 97 points. <laughs> what planet am I on? <laughs> Graham has given us 33 Stoke wins, 13 draws and 3 <laughs> defeats, giving us 112 points. Despite and that I, ridiculous prediction, though, he still managed to finish top. <laughs> And I have given 36 Stoke wins, 23 oh, defeats. And that 36? When it's scoring 94 goals and conceding 31. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so that does equate to 118 points minus a few cup ones. Um, yeah, I think I said we'd lose away at Middlesbrough and we drew. What were the other two games I said we'd lose? Oh, I said we'd lose away at Sheffield United and we did. And I said we'd lose away at Burnley and we drew. So can't even get it right when I say we're going to lose. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. So uh, uh, as we were sat here, I, I was just looking through uh, a tweet from Pete Smith from the Sentinel. And he was saying that um, Man City have scored 1,000 goals uh, under Pep Guardiola. And how long has he been there? Five years? Six. 16. Yeah, there you go. So about, yeah, six, seven years, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, when do you think the first oh, goal gosh. of the last thousand goals that Stoke have scored was? Right, okay. Uh, 1863. I would, I would say, <laughs> I'd say 2005, I guess. Oh, I think you're bang on. I think oh, you might be that. bang on. Very good. That was just maths of... 50 goals a year, 20 years, probably a bit. We've probably scored a few more than that on average. <laughs> that was how I weigh that one out. <laughs> Apologies to if it wasn't Pete Smith, whoever it was who tweeted that, but I thought it was quite cool. Yeah. Anyway, Daniel, before you rudely interrupted me, I said we've got some audio. So shush, <laughs> no one will hear, hear you anymore. Uh, we, have, we have some audio um, from Graham and our friends at Watford, although we're not going to be friends for much longer if he beats us again at the weekend. Uh, so let's have a quick listen to what they've had to say. Hello, this is Mike from the Watford podcast from the Rookery End. And I can say that this is one of the games I've been looking forward to most all season. Why am I looking forward to it? Because when it's finished, it means this wretched season will finally be over. Watford have been horrific uh, for the majority of this season. Uh, a couple of bright spots early on in the season. Of course, the win against Luton. Unfortunately for you guys, Slaven Bilic's first uh, match was away at Stoke and that was a, a 4-0 win for Watford. One of the very, very few uh, bright spots for, for what's been a really, really disappointing season for Watford. Expected to be at least in the playoffs. Ended up nowhere near and really on a run since the World Cup of uh, a form that would be more like close to relegation than, than promotion. Obviously, all the noise will be about uh, three managers, each of which has been unable to get a tune out of what looks like on paper uh, a talented squad. And I think what that really says is that Watford are a club in, in real turmoil. Whatever, for the last six managers, really, if you bear in mind, we got relegated from the, the Premier League last season with a win. For the last six managers have been able to get nowhere near getting anything in like a tune out of this Watford, um, Watford team. So... 
There are big, big issues at the football club that need to be sorted uh, this summer. There's question marks amongst the Watford supporters whether that will happen under the current owner. He's sort of looked unwilling or unable to face up to his mistakes, uh, to change his ways, to change the culture, which is ultimately what needs to change at Vicarage Road if Watford are going to turn around this terrible run uh, of form. Um, so it feels like Watford are at a crossroads uh, and it's down to the manager, uh, down to the head coach, sorry, not the manager or head coach, whoever that may be by the time the, uh, the new season rolls around. It's down to the owner to really work out why things have gone so badly wrong and, and change it. Otherwise, Watford, instead of looking upwards at the table next season, will be looking down. We know they're going to be without um, João Pedro, who looks like he's signed for Brighton. Ismail Assar is going to move on. There'll be interest in, in Man Loser and a couple of other players. There'll be a huge numbers of players uh, going back to their respective loan uh, clubs. Har uh, uh, Hamza Chowdhury, Keenan Davis, who have featured heavily for Watford this season. They won't be around next season. Also, um, so it's just a Watford are in a state of flux. Um, so uh, I'm exasperated, as you can probably tell by the, uh, the tone, of this, uh, tone of this little bit of audio. Um, as for the game against uh, Stoke on, on, on Monday, well, it's the deadest of dead rubbers, isn't it? Uh, Watford's performances uh, on the last games of the season have been pretty woeful uh, in seasons gone past. So if I was a betting man, I'd certainly uh, be putting on money on Stoke to, uh, to wreak revenge for that result at Bet365 earlier in the season. And to be honest, I think most Watford fans, well, certainly the Watford fans that turn up, I think... Keep your eye on the crowd. I think it will be a low one, possibly the lowest since the Pozzos took over, which uh, considering that's a, a, a decade, that's, that, that probably tells you all you need to know about Watford fans' feelings at the moment. Um, but I think this one's got a Stoke win written all over it. Um, we're just looking forward to the end of the season, I'm afraid. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the close season. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next year. Well, hello there, you Potters predictors. This is the final one of what is a season to forget. No doubt about it, Stoke have certainly underachieved this season and let's hope the summer months can make it one of hope when you kick off again in August. You head, of course, to Vickery's Road, looking to salvage some pride on the last game of the season, having lost 4-0 at home to the Hornets back in the season at the Bet365. Nothing to play for, only pride, but Alex Neal will want to try and get that last result, a winning one, to give supporters at least some hope that things could improve as you kick off next season. Well, Watford are as bad as Stoke. Their results have been poor as well. They've done the usual, change a few managers throughout the season. So what's going to happen on that particular final day of the season? Well, for those who are travelling, won't like my prediction. That's a certainty. Because I think it is one of those games that they're all on the beach and want to get out of the way of the football ground. Unfortunately, Watford nil, Stoke nil. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. So, uh, yeah, for the last time this season, thanks very much for the audio. Graham, I will never forgive you for winning the uh, prediction table, despite some ridiculous predictions throughout the year. Um, and me and Dan need to brush up on our predictions for next year or it's going to be very embarrassing um, so what I want to ask you Mr Daniel do we have a quiz or are we you do. not having one oh we, we do. do okay and we've got Ben as well to, to bail me out here so that's brilliant it's been hastily put together <laughs> so, oh well that's okay. a that's a good time it's a good one <laughs> so 
Which current championship manager played for both clubs? John Eustace? John Eustace. Oh, correct. Yeah. Who scored in that? I do apologise, Ben. Some of these may be um, before your time. So Mark, I think I heard this every time I come on. Yeah, and then you get you get them all right anyway. <laughs> uh, question number two: Who scored a brace in March two thousand three to secure three points for Stoke at Watford? The first goal was a penalty, and the second was quite a memorable goal from outside the box. Two thousand and three. Yeah, mate, that's that's if twenty years clue, ago. That's crazy. It, 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 he hooked the ball over his shoulder. Oh, 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 is it Big Pete? Yes. Did, did you like my clue? He hooked, hooked the ball. Yeah, like it. Shoulder. Nice. <laughs> yes, it was Peter Hookstra with possibly one of the best goals since Stoke have scored in the past 20 odd years. <laughs> yeah. A great goal. Patrick um, versus Reading was a good one. Yes, the penalty. That penalty was the, the best oh. penalty I've ever seen Stokes take. The um, only one we've ever scored, isn't it? <laughs> it's the last <laughs> one I think we ever scored. Um, question number three. Uh, one of only two away wins in the league for Stoke in the 2017-18 season came at Watford. It was a 1-0 win, but who scored that goal? I know, I know. Darren Fletcher. It was Darren Fletcher. It was it was Paul. What was it? Corner, come back to the edge of the box, and he just yeah, it was good routine, it. I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he sort of smashed it straight through a big rook of players. It welled it into the bottom corner. It's a shame Mark Hughes couldn't do that for the other thirty-seven games in the season. <laughs> it's a very big shame. Um, I've just seen him, by the way, fighting with somebody. The guy who scored the winner for Crew tonight on the pitch after the final whistle. So how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> it's, um, question number five. Which, what symmetry occurred during our two games with Watford in the 2007-08 campaign on our way to promotion? What was symmetrical about the two matches? Same goals, goal score, home and away? Uh, that is partly correct, yes. They were both ended nil-nil. That's really uh, question number six, and yeah, I think you're going to fire this one at me straight away. I've already mentioned one of them. Uh, which two goalkeepers were at Stoke as teenagers and latterly played for Watford in the Premier League? Ben Foster, Dan yes. Batman. Correct. Well done. Uh, question number seven: Which striker scored in four consecutive games versus Stoke for Watford between 2002 and 2004? I've got. I think it's no, that's too early. I've I don't know. The Stoke players in 2004, let alone the Watford players in 2004. This guy, Ben, if we back in that days, if you saw this person on the team sheet, you were like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> it's, it's, it's him again. It's like every, he's one of them players who, like, every time we played against us, he seemed to score. Um, I think in these four fixtures, Watford only scored five times and he scored four of the goals in one of each game. Um, <laughs> oh, um, 
No, 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 no. Can't be. I've got Gift and Noel Williams in my head, but it... It what? Because mm. didn't Noel Williams play for Watford and Stoke? He did play for Watford and Stoke. It's not him, though. But he not is, him. incidentally, on the next question, which is the, the eighth and final question, is about Gift and <laughs> Noel Williams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, never mind. So, thanks, mate. Something subliminal in your head there. <laughs> um... He was Icelandic. Does that help? Um, no. <laughs> Helgeson. Oh, no. No, I wouldn't have got Maybe that. Helgeson. Right, so the, the final question is, Gifton Noel Williams played for both clubs after being struck down by what? Ill, what? Um, so at 19, uh, it, uh, what injury? Yeah, uh, it was, so he had a, he had a knee injury. Uh, but what did he develop off that back oh. of that knee injury at ninety that would then plague him? For um, his he he got arthritis, mate. He did rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. at nineteen, he was a weird yeah. player. Gifted Noel Williams, did that? I don't know. I don't make him. I think he scored a few goals for us. I don't think he was ever well, stupidly scored, prolific, but he scored a lot of goals in August and a lot of goals in like April and May. Which isn't mm. really surprising, seeing as he had a joint condition that meant he is, that, <laughs> that he didn't react very well to the cold. <laughs> yeah. And then he went and had a quite semi pretty semi successful career over in the US, didn't he? Which is obviously far better for him than playing in the English winter. <laughs> okay, was that all the questions that eight? It was actually he was quite, quite very uh, yeah that's all of them. He was quite highly was rated as a youngster as well. Mm. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. So yes, well done on that. That's a little quiz there on what for to end off. I'm going to have to do a nice bumper quiz, aren't I, on the whole season next week? That'll be depressing for you. Oh please don't. <laughs> yeah. Based on the games this year, take us back to horrible memories. Get some nice ones in there, please. Um, oh, by the way, I've had a bunch of Ben on, on reviewing the season. I'm going to put you on the spot here. You can't say no because people mm-hmm. they just turned us down. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> we'll see. I, oh, I might be in oh, Turkey. Genuinely, be on the fence. What do you right. mean? You're not going to log on from Turkey? Get your priorities in order. Ben. <laughs> I'm working. It's it's business. Working. Yeah, man. Who's who's going to Turkey with work? People what, who what, hire what Turkish software designers. <laughs> um, I've had some predictions come through, by the way. Uh, I don't, I don't want to miss these off because I think it's only fair. Um, so we have had a prediction from Liam John, who's gone for a three-one Stoke win. Believe it or not, uh, a Campbell brace and Loren with the other goal. Connor, uh, so Connor Foster, he's gone for a one-nil loss. Um, Rory's gone for a 2-0 win I don't think Rory's ever predicted a Stoke defeat uh, with Campbell and Loren scoring the goals and we've also had one from John Beach who's gone for a 5-1 spanking, he says Fox will get the 91st minute cross come shot goal uh, to, to finish it off um, and actually we've had another one in from John Oldfield who says nothing left for either teams uh, a boring 0-0 is what they're going for, so everyone's Everyone's pretty um, down about it, except for two people. So that's great. Sound. Okay. Um, 
we've still got a few more pods. So if anyone's listening to this thinking you know it, it's all over, absolutely not. Uh, like I say, we're recording with Ben Wilmot tomorrow, so that one will be out at probably the back end of May. Uh, we've got the Watford review next week, along with obviously uh, I think we what we what we actually decided to do, Dan. I'm sitting here now questioning myself, but uh, isn't it a bit of a season review mixed with the Watford review? Is that pretty much what we've decided to do now? Yeah, I think we were we were probably going to look to do a full a podcast, basically on the whole season review, but I don't, don't think there's that much to review at this point. <laughs> I, think no, we'll I don't think anyone's been depressed. Into half a podcast. Um, so yes, yeah. that, was, that, that, that may be the plan. That may be what we end up doing. Yeah, either way, um, we know from the, the actual survey that a lot of you listen ad hoc, um, as well as those that are subscribed. It was It was an interesting number. Um, so just hit subscribe and you're not going to miss any of the specials and stuff during the summer that we'll do. So um, you've been warned. Okay, lovely. Uh, let's leave it there then. So um, Ben, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, as I said, you're welcome to interrupt us whenever you want. Uh, we will look forward to getting you on next week as you dial in from Turkey. So uh, we, we appreciate you sparing some time. Hope you're going to pay my expenses. <laughs> Uh, we'll buy you some oatcakes. How about that? Well, from Turkey, they've got moldy by the time they go over there. <laughs> well, I'll eat, I'll eat some for you as well. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, and Mr. Buxton, uh, I can never get rid of you, so I'll speak to you, uh, in the next uh, couple of days as well. Bye. Cheers, chaps. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Watford, hopefully, but let's not hold a breath, eh? Make it 12 and beat on the final day. Go on, Stoke. <laughs> and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.